Welcome to All People's Church. We are coming to you today from Flagstaff, Arizona. We proclaim hope in Jesus Christ no matter what your situation may be. Follow along as Pastor Denise teaches part four of spiritual warfare, armor of God, shoes of peace. At the end of her message, keep listening for more information about All People's Church and how to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I haven't said it in a few weeks, and I realize that, that I need to say this for those who are hearing, that I'm taking information, some information, from the book Dressed to Kill by Rick Renner. I recommend it as a great book talking about the armor of God and how it relates to us and our spiritual, I mean, excuse me, the Roman soldier's armor and how it relates to us in our spiritual walk. Today I'll start with Ephesians chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 which are our verses that we start with each Sunday while we talk about the armor of God. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. As we've been doing the last couple of Sundays, I want to first talk about that particular piece of armor that the Roman soldiers wore, their shoes. So their shoes actually consisted of two parts. The first part were called greaves, G-R-E-A-V-E-S. The greaves were two pieces of metal that came from the top of their knee all the way down past their lower leg and rested on top of their foot. This particular metal that they used was beautifully tooled and decorated. It was specifically formed to fit around their calf. I don't know for certain if each soldier was particularly fitted or if it was just a one-size-fits-all that, that reached around their calf to protect them. These greaves, because of the material they were made of, protected the soldiers' legs when they were in battle, protected their legs from bruising, laceration, or being broken. Apparently, sometimes the enemy would kick or try to kick a soldier in the leg to actually break their bones and put them out of commission on the battlefield. Also, with these greaves around their legs and protecting them like this, they could safely walk through a difficult terrain. If it was rocky or rough, they could just go right through there without scratching their legs and, and bruising their legs all up. It also protected them from thorns. If they had to march through deep woods or thorny uh, patches, then the, they were protected. They could just plow right through there. The second part of the shoes, this particular piece of armor, were actually shoes. The shoes were also made of two pieces of metal or possibly a mixture of durable leather and metal. Sometimes the top was metal, sometimes it was the top that was made of this durable leather. The sides of the shoes were held together by multiple pieces of durable leather but this is a very interesting fact, I think. On the bottoms of those shoes, on the soles of the shoes, they were fixed with spikes or dangerous nails up to three inches long. So they were marching along with spikes on the bottom of their shoes. The spikes had a couple of purposes. 
these spikes gave the soldiers stability when standing. They could stand, press their feet down, sink those spikes into the ground, and they, they had a firm footing no matter what came their way. They also used these spikes to kick the enemy and wound the enemy, or even they could use them to kill an opponent if they needed to. David Guzik, in his commentary in the Blue Letter Bible, if you go to the tap the text commentaries, said, quote, Josephus described them as shoes thickly studded with sharp nails so as to ensure a good grip. The military successes both of Alexander the Great and of Julius Caesar were due in large measure to their armies being well shod and thus able to undertake long marches at incredible speed over rough terrain. So apparently with these spikes and these greaves on, they could move fast no matter what the ground looked like, no matter what they were going through. When the Roman soldiers marched with all their armor on, they didn't stop for anything when they were marching forward. Their spikes were vicious. Nobody could survive if they fell underneath the Roman soldiers' feet because they were taught not to stop, just keep moving forward. I understand that even in parades, if they were marching shoulder to shoulder and one of the bystanders fell in, into their path, they didn't survive because the soldiers wouldn't march, wouldn't stop, excuse me, even in a parade, and they would just tramp, 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 and that person would be tramped to death and with the spikes that were on the bottom of their shoes. We feel that Paul used the example of the Roman soldier and their armor when he talked about God's armor. So we're going to liken that and see how it measures up when we talk about our spiritual armor from God. Apparently, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace was likened to the Roman soldiers' greaves and shoes. So there are some similarities we can talk about. Ephesians 6.15, again, says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So this is where I'm going to dive into a few definitions and break this particular verse down. Okay, having shod your feet. Of course, we know that our feet take us places. It's our feet that we stand on, our feet that we walk on, our feet that we get our balance on sometimes if we feel shaky. The word shod, S-H-O-D, indicates binding something tightly to your feet. Having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace indicates that we need to firmly tie this peace around our lives. Not just any peace, but God's peace. We need to firmly tie his peace around our lives, and we'll, we're going to discuss that further in a minute. Ephesians 6, 15, having shod your feet with the preparation. This word preparation equals firm footing or firm foundation. The gospel is to be our firm footing as believers, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament words. So having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the word gospel equals glad tidings of the gospel of peace. According to Vine's Dictionary, again, this word peace 
is the harmonized relationships between God and man. This is accomplished through the gospel. According to Ephesians 6.15, we can say that we should tie peace, tie God's peace around our lives, basing it on the foundation of the gospel, which brings us to salvation and a harmonized relationship with God. This is accomplished through the gospel, through God's word, through knowing God's word, trusting God's word, and trusting God to keep his word. We will read Matthew 7, verse 24 and 25, because we're going to talk about if we build our lives on the firm, firm foundation of gospel. And when I use the word gospel, I mean God's word. When we build our lives on the firm foundation of God's word, the Holy Bible, we're likened to the person in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. If you would read that for us, please. Therefore, whomever hears these these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. We will stand firm in the storms of life if our lives are founded on God's word too. Jesus says if we hear the sayings, his sayings and do them, we will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In this case, I'm using the word rock to equal God's word because he talks about hearing his words, and that helps us to build our life on a firm foundation. So let's talk about two different kinds of peace we can equate with God. First of all, we have peace with God. Peace with God happens at salvation when we accept Jesus as our Savior of our life. And at the end of this teaching, we will have further explanation of salvation and how to give your life to God at the end of this sermon. Just continue listening if you're hearing it on the website. So we have peace with God, which happens at salvation. Our sins are forgiven, and we move forward in God and his righteousness. We also can have the peace of God in our lives, and that's where I'm going to spend some time this morning. The peace of God in our lives protects us from fretfulness, anxiety, worry, etc. So let's see what Colossians 3.15 says about peace of God. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What does this really mean? What is letting the peace of God rule in our hearts? The word rule means to be an umpire. In this usage, the word rule means to be an umpire, to decide, determine, direct, and control. So let God's peace be the umpire in our life. If we're in turmoil, if we're in a battle, there's an old, old song, and I didn't think of it until just now, Go Where the Peace Is. As we walk through this life, go where the peace is. Pray about things, check the word out, and go where the peace is because we're letting God's peace umpire our life. Let God's peace help us to decide what to do in situations which relates to letting his peace be the umpire in our lives. He will give us peace in the right way to go, especially if it's a question of right and wrong as far as sin or holiness. 
Let God's peace determine how we will respond to situations. It's like the scripture in Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath. It's not always easy for us, or for me especially, to give that soft answer. But you have more peace if you do it God's way than if you do it your own way. Let the peace of God direct our faith and direct our life. Whenever we know God's word, our faith grows, and then we can depend on those promises. And when we do that and stretch our faith, God's peace will be with us and direct us in that. And let God's peace control or rule over us in tough times and good times. So in the past, I have mentioned that I don't speculate too much as to whether what happens in my life is a personal attack from Satan or not. And whether that happens to us or not, we do live in a world full of turmoil. We're inundated with all kinds of news, a lot of bad news, most of it bad news or disunity about things going on in our world. In our lives, we hear about our friends' turmoil. We hear about our family's turmoil. We experience our own ups and downs and turmoil. Remember how the soldiers could walk through difficult terrain and be kept safe? God's peace can protect us in the same way in our own lives. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 gives us some good advice about walking in the peace of God. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In everything, with prayer and supplication, and thanksgiving make our requests known to God. And somehow we don't necessarily understand how. The Bible says it surpasses all our understanding, but there's some way that when we do this, God's peace guards our hearts and guards our minds through Jesus. I want to tell you, walking in God's peace does not mean that we will never have turmoil in our life. Because on this earth, as long as we live, we will have turmoil and troubles. But walking in God's peace means that we are guarded by his peace. We've seen people who serve God go through troubles. We all go through troubles. I'm reminded of a person in my past many years ago, um, an older man actually who had cancer. His last name was Lucky. And he was talking to his pastor. And the pastor said, I don't know how you can deal with this, knowing that you have cancer and you're not going to live very much longer. And his answer to the pastor was, I have the grace of God for this cancer. He said, other people have God's grace for other things in their lives. You don't have grace. You don't understand walking through this particular storm because you don't need God's grace in that particular area you don't, or God's peace, I would say, because he walked in God's peace. So in our troubles, in our turmoils, God comes alongside us and gives us his peace that he wants us to have and we need at those times in our life. Mr. Rick Renner in his book, Dressed to Kill, says that it is, quote, it is God's peace that enables you to successfully fulfill any mission he gives you in this life. So he gives you peace to fulfill anything he asks you to do or whatever you're led to walk through or comes about in your life. The spikes on the Roman soldiers' shoes, again, gave them a firm footing when they were standing 
It's God's supernatural peace helps us to plant our feet firmly too. Because regardless of what we see or hear or what's going on with us or, or someone that we know that we're walking through, we can stand on God's promises. And again, that's where knowing his word or finding things in his word come into play because we can stand with our feet firmly planted also. Because we know that God will bring us through whatever's happening. That's one of his promises in his word to us. Isaiah 26.3 tells us, talking about God, says, Isaiah says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And let's see what Jesus says about peace in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, the peace that we have, the peace of God, is not something that we can gain from the world. Not something we can get just from living in the world, moving in the world, abiding in the world. It comes straight from Jesus, straight from God into our lives. What does all this mean for us, peace? We've talked a lot about peace. Remember how the Roman soldiers stopped for nothing as they were marching forward? In that same way, we need to continue moving forward in our spiritual walk determine that nothing's going to stop us. We need to let God's promises of peace, God's promises of taking care of us, keeping us from the evil one, being with us in the storm, bringing us through to the other side. Let those promises and many others that you find in the Word of God be your shoes of peace and use those shoes of peace to trample underfoot any doubt, fears, or worries as we learn the Word of God. And our faith expands because indeed, if we go through troubles, our faith expands because we're stretched and we're stretched to believe, to look beyond what we're seeing or, or experiencing at the moment. And so our faith gets stretched and then we learn to trust more and more in God. Remember, if we have peace with God, we can also have the peace of God in our lives. In conclusion, know his scriptures, learn his promises. Number three, stand on his promises. Number four, exercise your faith. And number five, walk in his peace. I'm gonna read the lyrics to another hymn. The title of this hymn is Be Still My Soul. This particular hymn took multiple contributors in many centuries to become what we know today. So three different authors are responsible for the, singing the hymn today. Katharina von Schlegel wrote the words in 1752 in her language, native language of German. About 100 years later, Jane Borthwick translated the hymn into English Gene Sibelius put it to the music that we know today. I won't play it, but here are the words. When we talk about God's peace and think about his peace, think about his promises, I think this is an appropriate hymn to finish with. 
and I'll read portions of it. Be still, my soul. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. I won't read the rest of those words, but I think it's a great encouragement to be still and trust in God's peace in our lives. Amen. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful, and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20.31, But these are written speaking of the signs that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of his Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation, so say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. 
Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn, and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.